Hey guys, it's Lauren Yates here, celebrity interviewer, entertainment reporter, and the host of this podcast, Rave It Up, celebrity news, reviews, and interviews. If this is the first time you're listening, go check out our show's trailer on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to learn more about us. And make sure to follow us on social media to tell us what else you would like to hear from this podcast. We are under Rave It Up TV on Instagram, Rave It Up Show on Facebook, and our website is raveituptv.com. Now today, we have a chat to American actor Kenny Johnson. You may know him from TV shows like SWAT, Sons of Anarchy, The Shield, Saving Grace, and Bates Motel. Among so many others, he has done a lot over his career. SWAT has been renewed for season five, which will premiere on October 1st, which we're very excited about. Me in particular, big, big fan. So we have a talk about the new season as well as hear about some of his cast members. There's some funny stories coming up. But also we go back to the beginning and hear about how he found acting and his love for it. And also about his challenges he has faced with his dyslexia. His story is just filled with so many things that we can take away from and lessons, just filled with wisdom. This interview is very heartwarming and very personal. So let's get into it now. Before we get into today's interview, we would like to give a shout out to our Patreons, Irene and Bev. If you would like to support us too and receive free and behind the scenes stuff for as little as $4 a month, go check us out on Patreon patreon.com forward slash rave it up now let's get into the interview three two one let's do this rave it up. hey guys it's rj may from breaking bad it's adam Savani from step up it's keegan allen from pretty little Irish. Hi, this is cosentino it's rob mills todd mckenney with lauren yates on rave it up We're raving it up rave i'm it having up. fun hashtag lauren rave it up <laughs> Sorry. Thank you, I like that effect. <laughs> We're raving it up. Penny, welcome to Rave It Up. It is a pleasure to have you on the show today. How are you going? Uh, good, man. It's good to see you. Great to talk with you on a Sunday. I know. On the other side of the world, too. Isn't that amazing? Love technology. I know. <laughs> it's only eight-hour flight away, though, so it's not that far. Is it like five, six, seven, eight? Eight hours and I'm there. Oh, I think, I think. It's, a, I think it's a lot longer than that, actually. I think it's like 16. <laughs> oh, is it really that long? Yeah. Okay. I wish it was I'm, eight hours. That would be amazing. <laughs> I'm way off. I think the last time I was there, actually, I was in the Philippines and I flew from there down. And, and I remember it taking a long time from there. So, yeah, it would be a lot. <laughs> I got it all. Sorry. How long ago was that? When were, in, when, when were you in Australia? Uh, 2006. 2006. That was a long time yeah. ago. So you got you to gotta come back. <laughs> I know. I know. So we can do a, an interview in person. That would be awesome. That would be Right. I, yeah, we went to Sydney first and then uh, down to uh, Melbourne and spent New Year's there and then back to Sydney. So it was it was really cool. It yeah. was definitely well, fun. Well, I'm in they Sydney, beat. so you've been here twice, so that's great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, since this is your first time on the show, we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. And I thought it would be a great idea to start from the beginning, if that's okay, to get a good idea of how you've made it to where you are today. So I'd love yeah. to know, were there any other careers that you wanted to pursue when you were younger, you know, obviously acting, but I also heard when you were in college that you did, you loved sports and you did a lot of basketball, yeah. baseball. Did you want to go down that sports path as well as a career or are you a little afraid of injuries that could end it all? <laughs> no, that, that was my dream. I, I always, like, since I was a little kid, 
watching the Olympics. And then I got really competitive into sports. And uh, high school, my whole goal was to go to college. And I got a scholarship to play baseball and football. So I went there and, um, you know, I played, but I realized um, baseball, I was really good. I could throw the ball about 91 miles per hour and uh, had a really good drop ball. Football, I was a little too small and the athletes level was just so much higher. And I realized that, you know, my love was football, but it wasn't going to be there because I realized there were guys that were like 100 pounds heavier that could run faster and were like just crazy and fearless. So I'm like, all right, well, that's not going to be football. And baseball, I wasn't in love with. So I kind of trickled off into trying to figure out what I wanted. So I, I think I got into corporate fitness where I was going to train people. I go to corporations and be like, like a trainer at a corporation, but then I didn't really dig that. So I changed to psychology. Then I went to engineering. Then I thought pre-med. So I changed my degree five times. And then I realized I had so many credits all over the place that I, and the sports was kind of, I just wasn't quite there for me at that point. I, I think I mentally wasn't ready for that whole leap into the next level from college. And so for some reason, I, uh, just kind of dropped out after three and a half years and uh, moved to Boston. And a friend got me into, um, you know, again, we're talking a long, long time ago, uh, modeling. So I started modeling in Boston. And then uh, I think uh, somebody, you know, one of my friends talked me into taking the jump. And I had always kind of talked about acting. Why don't you just go to L.A.? Like I didn't ever acted, never really knew anything about it. But I just had five hundred dollars in a plane ticket. So. I got on a plane one, uh, I think it was Friday, somebody su suggested it. And Monday I was on the plane and I just came to LA and figured like, well, I'm not going to die if, you know, I'm going to run out of money probably, but LA's got nice weather. And I figured somehow I would figure out a way to, you know, survive. And so, so it became that, 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 that became my thing. And when I came out here, you know, I was homeless for a little bit. I worked at a Jack Lane's, which is a health spa. And I would sleep on the roof of the Jack Lanes during the nighttime and then, you know, or in my car if it rained. And so the manager found out and people used to come and sleep with me up on the roof. And there was such a freedom to it at the beginning because you have all the stars, you're out in the open, you're on this roof, you have nothing but dreams. Like you have no money, you like, you know, you only have for the, enough for the next day, but you have all the dreams in the world and you're young and I just felt like, you know, that was one of the most like exciting times because the world was before me and I could just do try anything or do anything. So I put my mind to the acting and, um, you know, I had modeled actually for like a few years, probably 88 to about 92 or 87 to 92 in L.A. And then I decided like around then that I was going to dedicate myself to uh, to acting completely. So I quit everything else and found the best teachers out in LA. And, uh, and that's how I started that. That's fantastic. I love asking that question though, because it really just shows how far you have come and how hard you've worked to actually achieve your success. You know, it really opens the eyes up to our audience, which is great. <laughs> and that must yeah. have been a really big change for you because didn't you grow up on a farm as well? Yeah, exactly. I mean, my life was, yeah, I did. We had a friendly farm with like 40 acres and, you know, two cows, three, well, we had three steers, three horses, a raccoon, two dogs, cats. We had three goats and it was like just on a mountain in Vermont. And so that was 
my life and I, you know i was quite shy and everything and and uh the acting wasn't easy it was something that i you know kind of dealt with in my mind but i was afraid to do and i got approached by some guy to do a film and he had written it and he and i became best friends out here and he was a young kid that knew stallone and so around the time they did over the top he won you know like a couple of years later is when he asked me to do this film and he brought it to me and said would you do it and that was the first film that i got asked to do and at the time this was before i took any acting classes and i told him you know no i said you know i i, I don't want i don't know anything about acting and i have severe dyslexia so that also you know became a problem through college and through everything because i had to find other ways to kind of pass classes which aren't you know technically like legal or correct but i just had to do anything to get through because i didn't know why i couldn't read and so i was afraid to do his script and so i said after like three and a half weeks of rejecting him if he had somebody say the words out loud to me and if i could learn them i by listening i would uh I would try it. And so that's what I did. He hired somebody and they worked with me and, you know, and my whole thing is what, what got inside of me was my first day of shooting was a scene between he and I, and I had never been on a set. So I, all these people around me, the camera, the extras, everything. And there's my friend Richie across from me and me, and I'm just kind of taking this world in, you know, and I'm watching, I wasn't nervous or anything, but I was just kind of watching the whole thing. And then, um, you know, as I heard them say roll sound and as soon as I heard action, everything froze like a like a weird Jim Carrey movie, like everyone stopped, like whoever was moving, everything literally was like time stood still. And this thing whooshed through me and said, this is what you're going to do the rest of your life. And then it whooshed out the back of me. And as soon as it went out, I just went, huh. And then everything started moving again. And then we started the scene. And that that was the thing that kind of stuck with me, that it felt like a God voice or a truth that, you know, I've had it a few times in my life and every time it is so spot on. So I, I couldn't deny it. And so that was the thing that made me seek out the acting teachers. And I had a lot of personal things. So, you know, I was going to therapy and doing self reading every self-help book and trying to just reprogram the way I thought about me and myself and life and things I had gone through to be just, you know, more on top of, uh, having a positive way of putting something into acting, you know? Yeah. And that whole that time makes... stood still thing, that is just a pure example of that's what you're meant to do. That That is your passion. You found it. And it was like a light bulb moment. Yeah. That's incredible. Had, yeah. Yeah. I've had like probably six or seven times and exactly what's been like filtered through to a pinpoint is what's come true. And I get a lot of premonitions, which, sounds weird but when i'm very clear during the middle of the day things come to me and everything that's ever premonition that's happened i had one at four years old and a few in my 20s and 30s and um 40s and everything to a t with the people the names the place the thing come true exactly this is way before they happen so when those voices for me when those like kind of whatever's go through me i don't know what to call them but I listen, you know, because I know truth from not truth. So mm, very spiritual. I love it. Kind of. Yeah. Yes. That's how I <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm very spiritual. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is giving me goosebumps. <laughs> oh. Did you know we filmed this interview? 
well, come on over to our YouTube channel, Rave It Up TV. You can subscribe for free. And here's a little secret. We like to reward our active subscribers with autographed photos and merchandise, no matter where you are in the world. So don't forget to give us a thumbs up while you're there and get busy sharing the videos with your friends. In this day and age, we're surrounded by technology and electricity all the time. Like our phones and laptops, phone and radio towers, Wi-Fi, electric power lines, and the appliances in our home. Do you know that these could be damaging your health because of the electromagnetic radiation coming off them? When I found Orgone Effects though and bought their products, I immediately noticed a difference. I started sleeping better and was even calmer and not always high in adrenaline. Orgone Effects has over 20 years experience in developing products to neutralize the harmful effects of EMRs. I have six of their products myself now, and I could not recommend them highly enough. These products last a lifetime too, so you only have to buy them once. Go check out their website, orgoneffectsaustralia.com.au. That is O-R-G-O-N-E effectsaustralia.com.au. And type in the coupon code RAVEITUP at checkout. You did also compete in some arm wrestling, which is pretty cool. When I did my research on you, I was like, huh, there you go. And you're a former champion as well, so the big time. Well, your Aussies got me into it, yeah. Oh, really? This guy, there you go. Yeah. Oh, yep. <laughs> Proud. No, I'm telling you, this is like the weirdest weirdest story, but, uh, a, you know, the same guy who wrote this script worked at the Jack Lanes, right? He was a trainer also trainer slash actor whatever but he's just really good looking italian kid who like uh you know was really into acting and just wanted you know he and i became best friends when i moved out here and so one day these huge armor are these guys in the gym that were steroided out about 300 pounds they're all kind of going at it right and then you know they're just were very aggressive it was the end of the evening and nobody was left and i'm working at the nutrition bar making like the stupid you know <laughs> Christian shakes people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there watching them. He was there, it was the end of the night. And then all of a sudden, this guy had just dominated everybody. And he was a really big guy. So he looked around and he said, You get over here, like that. And I looked at him, I said, You're like more than twice my size. That's like 105, he's like 300 pounds. He goes, Oh, you know, it doesn't matter. Just, just get over here. And I'm like, All right. So I jumped over the bar, went on the, you know, one of the office tables and Somebody started us, and I'm thinking, okay, he's just going to break my arm. And they, they, they just said, okay, ready, go. And I put him down, like, literally, like, about, boom, that fast. And everyone's looking like, what the hell? And my friend Richie saw it. So what he did is, like, signed me up for the World Championships of Arm Wrestling without telling me about it. So <laughs> one day he took me on a long trip because that one was in California. And I didn't know going on this Saturday and we drove for so long and I kept saying like what is this surprise like where are you taking me so we finally came up on the civic center that had tons of cars packed in this like place and I thought oh we're going to a concert this is like awesome right and I said well you know who's playing he goes nobody he goes I signed you up for the world championships arm wrestling oh. I'm like I said what I got I've armed one time in my life against one person he goes yeah but you beat him and I go Richie, I go, one guy in my life, I go, this is a world championship. He goes, no, unless you try it. And I was just like, oh, my God. So anyways, I, I went through this double elimination thing. And um, I went through a bunch of rounds and beat people. And um, 
And then I had a guy almost, you know, I was been an inch away from beating him about four minutes and I got tired and he eventually took me over. So I thought I'm in the loser's bracket now. So I'm, I must suck. So then I do more rounds and beat guys. And then I get another guy and I'm an inch from pitting him and keep him about four minutes down. And I couldn't quite get him. And I got tired, you know, cause I never practiced arm wrestling. So he ended up beating me. And so I got eliminated. So I'm like, okay, I I'm, I'm, you know, it's true. I'm no good. I didn't, I mean, I lasted forever long, but so this guy comes over, the Australian guy, and he, he introduces my, himself and he goes, he goes, you know, I'm the Australian champion and you beat me pretty good. And I'm like, no, I said, I didn't know. He goes, you know, those two guys that you lost to, but you had them, you were almost pinned them. I go, yeah. He goes, that was the number two guy in the world and number five guy in the world. He goes, have you ever armed us before? I said, yeah, I'd get emotional, but I said, no. And he goes, please let me train you. You know, he goes, because oh. you obviously you've got this amazing talent. Will you let me train you? So he actually was from Australia living in Venice and it's Heath Ledger's uh, uncle. So wow. he trained. Yeah. So he trained me to uh, do every competition, you know, every year. And I ended up like, you know, set the, I ended up being second in the world. And then I stopped. And then Heath actually wanted to do a documentary on me when I was doing the shield, but I didn't really have the time and I didn't want to, I didn't want to go around the country on the circuit. So you know, even though I was good at arm wrestling, it wasn't like my love and my passion. I just happened to be good at it. And um, so I didn't do that. And then 2010, you know, 15 years after I retired, I thought, you know what, give it one more try, see if I'm any good. So I, I did right and left and I'd never done left before. And I ended up third and third in the world and the next year, second and third. And then the third year, 2012, I ended up getting first and first. And then I thought, okay, I mean, for me, that was it. Cause I'm like, yeah. you know, can't get better. <laughs> I mean, and I didn't feel that, you know, I thought I was going to feel this like, Oh my God, this is like, this is like the best thing ever. But for some reason I didn't feel anything. I felt like completely empty. And for me, I'm like, as soon as it happened, I got on the podium and I'm like going like, I feel nothing. I go like, this is it. I've been, I've been, I've been doing this all these years and, and now I won and I go, I feel nothing. I go, damn you know it's like yeah so i knew you know obviously it wasn't my love so uh i wanted to be for the guys that love it you know yeah but you know it makes some for some good stories for interviews and you can say you're a yeah. world champion <laughs> yeah. but acting yeah. that's the real love and we're so glad you've stuck with it because you're freaking amazing like and i want to talk a little bit more about the acting very soon but i actually want to go back to your dyslexia if that's okay because this is a very sure. positive show and all about you know showcasing how much hard work is involved in these really cool jobs you know the people we look up to but it's so rewarding you know how all these people i interview just love what they do they're so passionate about it that all the hard work is just totally worth it near the end but also just right. kind of to show the rewarding side and, you know, to never give up. And for something like dyslexia, you've got, obviously you were diagnosed, what, in your 20s. So pretty much your whole acting career, you've had that big challenge. But, you know, you're a pure example of never giving up and you can still do it, you know. It's, <laughs> it's fantastic. So I really wanted to know, you, you were talking about that you get people to read the scripts out loud, which I think is right. just such an interesting way of doing it. But obviously you can't like say, you know, when yeah. for me, like I'm a very visual learner, so I love to like visualize the words, but that would just confuse the hell out of you, yeah. wouldn't it? So does it, how does that work for you? And does your wife help as well, you know, with also being a fellow actor? Does she read the scripts out loud or your daughter? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, that that has helped me over the years. I mean, I think when I, you know, I, you know, got diagnosed, you know, is because I got thrown out of my first acting class because it was a cold reading class and I couldn't read it. And the teacher kept screaming at me to read it. And I kept looking down and I could the the words for me jumbled and the letters jumble and my eyes go from one sentence down to words on the left. So what I say was there not even close. And so I, I tried. I told the teacher I couldn't do it. So she got really mad and said, like, you, you can do it now. Just read it. And I'm like, I literally can't read this. And she goes, do it or I want you out of the class. Don't ever come back. So I put the book down and I walked out and I just thought, OK. And so then I knew my roommate at the time um, knew I wanted to act. And so she actually got this guy that she knew was a, a great coach to come over to the house. And so he brought over a couple of monologues with me and or to me and said, here, why don't, why don't you read, you know, read these for me. And so I tried to read it and he just looked at me because apparently I didn't say much of what was there. And he goes, do you know what you just read? And I go, no, I said, no. I don't have any idea. And he goes, okay, here's another monologue. Can you try to read this? So I sat there and, you know, just looked at the paper and tried to read it out loud. And I don't think I got much right. And so he goes, have you ever heard of dyslexia? And I didn't at the time. So I said, no, he goes, I think you have, a, <laughs> you must have dyslexia because he says, you're not getting any of this right. And I go, yeah, I said, you know, I haven't been able to read for like a long time and so he said okay i got a place in the valley that's uh what was it the stillman dyslexia institute i want you to go get tested so i went over there and and i got tested and i i i was at like a you know i was severely dyslexic not only with with reading but also listening so they do test on your ears and they have a they have a whole philosophy about when you if you you walk too early or too late in life, your equilibrium gets thrown off. And then if your right ear dominant to listen to information coming in, it passes through these spheres in the brain and you kind of, kind of get the message and respond quicker and mine developed on the left and not the right. So I was missing about 34% of what was being said to me and I would have to make it up in my head. So I always, I knew I, I didn't understand people a lot and I would always stare at the ground or something else to concentrate when people talk to me because if I looked at them, I, I couldn't understand what they were saying. So that kind of made sense. And my reading level at the time was like at a second grade reading level. So, you know, here I was, you know, it's embarrassing, but yeah, like 22 at the time or 23 and I'm at, at that level of reading. And so, um, you know, I stayed with them for six months and they went through all their things they have a whole array of things that they put you through to supposedly try to heal it and I got a little better with reading but not much and then when I got into acting class I had the same problem like I couldn't read much and I would read something over and over and over and I'd have to read it probably 10 times and write notes and draw little pictures for me to understand what I, like you said visually I would have to do these things and draw like cartoons so I could kind of get what it said and then by the 10th time I think I could understand what was there and then slowly I would have to go through the words until I connected them to make sense so um, you know, when I got into acting class and, and I know they tried to give me stuff and if I didn't have enough time, I would just suck and I would not do what was there. I wouldn't say what was on the page. Nobody could understand what was going on. So this guy that was in our class was a pretty big director who wanted to learn about acting from an actor's point of view. And he actually, you know, like he and I became really like best friends. 
but he said, do you have dyslexia? And I because he goes, my wife does. And there's this doctor, Moses Albalas, and he's a wonderful guy. And he, he specializes in dyslexia. Can't, would you go meet with him? So I did. And I worked with him for two years, like every day for two years, I was trying to go through everything that he has to help read better so or, or help you to learn to read and to correct your vision and, and instead of the eyes jumping around which they naturally do and it's something maybe you're born with because because you can see it they test you in this eye machine and you can see your eyes going jumping this way and then down back this way and then there so it never stays on track and unless you have like this big magnifying glass that goes letter to letter, word for word, your eyes don't track it. So they teach your eyes to get stronger and to stay on that line in order to read better. But here I am like, you know, a whole bunch of years later and I still work probably, you know, I don't know, huh? you know, I would say about 40 times, 50 times more than anybody just to get what somebody can get in maybe an hour or 10 minutes or whatever. I'll, I'll put in like, 50 hours or more just to get it. But I'm like, if that's what I have to do for me, that's me. And, and in the end, it's like people can get, I, I see so many people that look at it one time and they get it. But sometimes what they miss is like, I think I have to work so hard at trying to do so much information and research around the subject matter and understanding what's going on in the scenes for it to click in more. So the more work I do on it, the, the more it starts to click in, then it gets inside deeper. And some people make the mistake where they're quick learners, but there's no depth to what they do. And then it, it feels like when I watch it and I'm acting opposite of them, sometimes I just think like they did no homework on this. They did no nothing on it where, you know, I write notebooks and I write, you know, um, biographies every night I'll get home like from doing the shield you know after a day and I'll write 20 pages of like freebasing what my character thinks because I, I want to keep them alive and in, in in the thing so when I show up to work I don't feel like I'm ripping off the character or the people watching you know so mm. it's it's good it's good in a way I mean it's like it's 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 a yeah I mean there is you know I mean in my life is like I grew up, you know, with a dad who was very, you know, like whatever, you know, like uh, dominant, stubborn, you know, hitting, meaning, choking, just not a nice person that kind of made me feel way down. And so I figured if I got that kind of rejection from him, no one in the industry could bother me. So the more people said no and he sucks, he's not good, he'll never do this, he'll never do that. It never affected me. I thought I'm on my own path. And I could see like in the ethers, like me being born and coming down and these spirits and writers. And I, I kept seeing it all on this plane on earth. And I go, I'm supposed to meet at some point at the right time. So for me, it wasn't about, about I have a timeline. I have to be successful or, or good. Otherwise it's over. I just thought it's God's space and time. I just got to keep working on myself and get ready for when it does happen. And mm -hmm. I got to be in. And I think it really was important for me, like my first acting teacher would always say, like, you know, what you say is important and be careful about the work you pick because people only remember the last job you did. So I've been really careful and picky and like, you know, would maybe audition four times a year where everyone says you're never going to have a career. You, get, you know, people audition hundreds of times every year. They help to get callbacks. And here I'm saying no to everything because I'm like, I need to find the thing that speaks to me because I think I'm here for this reason. It's got to be truthful. Otherwise, why do it? Like, mm. I, I, that'd be a lie to myself. So, 
So everyone says, you're crazy. You're never going to have a career. And for some reason, things just keep coming, you know, one after another for like 24 years. It's like been uh, weird. And But I just have that faith that it's basically me and my interest in some sort of topic and then what I put into work. And then I just get ready as if like, the universe is going to bring it to me. It's not me, to, you know, against all these other actors. I, I could care less because what's meant for them will be for them. Mm. And my, like, I, I really believe if you, uh, if you believe in it and it will happen at some point, it will just don't quit, you know? Oh, I love a perfect guest for the show. Oh, so much respect. <laughs> no, it's, it's weird. I mean, that's just my belief, but it doesn't, so many people are totally opposite. So, you know, what works for somebody else would be different, you know? Mm. And you know. <laughs> I'm sure like, I, I love the fact that, you know, you, uh, I guess, so they always say to have thick skin in the industry for rejection like that. And I'm, I'm, I was thinking back upon like your school days before you even knew you had dyslexia, but you, you know, you just knew you couldn't read. And yeah. being, I guess, a little different to your peers and everything. Did you get a lot of bullying back then as well? Or did it not af affect you as well like it does now? Um, I think I became very introverted and shy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, get, I just got really introverted and shy because, you know, yeah. I, I think, you know, I don't know, when you get somebody like most of your life saying you're a zero, you're nothing, you're a loser, you're a piece of S-H-I-T, you know, you're nothing, you're a zero, and it happens all the time, and boom, and like somebody who doesn't believe in God, which like was my dad, and he's like, I brought you into the world, I can take you out at any time, so every time he had his fist in my mouth, and I'd be like, you know, it, it's kind of gives you a skin where I felt very little about myself, but at the same time, when I went to realize that it's up to me to take on my life into control i'm an adult now so once you're an adult you're in your own world and i could either use it in state i was very angry and i was very like insecure but i'm like you can stay this way change you know you can do something to make a change for yourself to put something good out into the world and i always believed you know, like my mom was like very quiet but she was very angelic so i had that unconditional love that was unspoken inside of me and so it was a part of me that knew i wasn't as bad as he made it out to be but i kept thinking it it, it didn't bother me when i got rejected out here and you know in school you people you know would laugh when i couldn't read because they would ask me to read out loud and I literally would make words up and the teachers would look very confused, like what's going on. And I would just sweat and turn bright red. And then I just remember everyone turning around, just laughing like a weird movie, you know, and I just thought, I don't know what's wrong with me. You know, it's just, uh, it, it was, you know, but I played sports and that was my escape. And I connected with some people there because I was pretty good at it and I always wanted to get better. And so that kept me socially connecting with some people, but otherwise, you know, throughout high school, I just had one or two friends that were friends that were like best friends and they were rejects in school, not rejects, but kind of the outcasts or the people that, you know, people didn't think th there was something wrong with their families or them. And mm -hmm. so for some, uh, those are the only two people I connected with. And so it was, a, it was, it was what it was. I mean, it was okay, but it was what it was. And, it, you know, I developed also OCD back then. So I, I had severe OCD from seventh grade and through into my twenties and it 
know, it became de debilitating. And, and uh, again, I didn't know what was going on with that either. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of weird stuff, you know. I mean, and, and there's something I'm leaving out that happened when I was five years old that I, I had something to do with the cult and being kind of taken, um, me and this girl. And something happened in that time period that, you know, was an overnight thing and it messed me up, I think, for a while because between that and then the way my life was at home, it just sort of was very just not connected. Maybe the soul was fragmented a bit. And so, you know, it took me a while to bring everything back together. And uh, once I did is when the universe said, okay, it's time now. You know, I remember being in the middle of Riga, Latvia, in the woods, rolling in the dirt because of these things I thought that were inside of me. And then I just said, no, like it's done, no more. It's like there was something that gave me this, I don't know, like it was almost like God coming in saying, you know what, I'm more powerful than everything. You say no, I'm allowing you to say no. Once yeah. I said no, like I could breathe for the first time in my life and I felt like I had just come above this muddy water and I could breathe and I could see everything. And then that voice shot through and say, go back to LA now, it's start time for you to start acting. And so I, I realized, you know, my life was not gonna be about being a victim, but I found I had done enough work myself and I finally empowered myself to know that I could go forward. And if I got a lead in a series or something, I wasn't gonna die. Cause that was a fear too. Like, what if I got it? You know, I'm gonna somehow, I was scared to death. And once I realized what's the worst thing that's gonna happen, am I gonna die? I'm like, no, then it's just like, then stop with the excuses. And I had also done enough work on myself where I could filter things that had happened to me through characters, but in a positive way and never letting anyone know what happened to me in life. And so, you know, it all kind of happened in that moment in the middle of the woods and outside of Riga, Latvia. And I got on the plane, went to Sweden, saw one of my grandmothers there. And then I flew back and within probably three months, all of a sudden I booked a series regular and three big films and then just everything kind of just took off. You meant for so much greater in life, weren't you? <laughs> that does, that, yeah, once that happened, life just yeah. became amazing, didn't it? It did. It Your did. story it... has been giving me goosebumps. Like, <laughs> I, I hope everyone else really resonates with this. It's the great thing about your story. There's something everybody can, you know, take and kind of learn for themselves as well. So thank you. I really appreciate you sharing your story. I know there's well, parts there that just weren't easy to talk about, but thank you. Yeah. No, it's embarrassing. And sometimes if I ever share it, I some people get uncomfortable. So I'm like, you know, it is what it is. It's like, you know, the, yeah, I can't apologize. It's my life. But, you yeah. know, other people didn't have that kind of, so they don't, some people don't get it. And then the ones that maybe did go through some of the stuff, hopefully that is, uh, you know, helpful in some sort of way. You know? Yeah, don't be embarrassed. It's your story. You know, <laughs> you've got to share it. Hey guys, it's RJ May from Breaking Bad. It's Adam Stavani from Step Up. Bryce Johnson from Pretty Little Liars. It's Rob Mills. Todd McKenney with Lauren Yates on Rave It Up. These celebrities are sharing a message of hope and inspiring the younger generation in our new book, Knowing What I Know Now. This is filled with 70 quotes from your favourite celebrities on what they would tell their 14-year-old selves. A book filled with amazing advice to help you chase your dreams or help you deal with bullying or depression. It is available worldwide as a paperback or ebook version. Go to raveituptv.com to buy your copy now.
There is even an audiobook version coming very soon. Do you know Rave It Up Now has a private Facebook group where we give away regular prizes and you get to have a sneak peek at what we're up to? You'll get to see some fun behind-the-scenes action and can be part of the interview process yourself, just like a real journalist. So come join us and share your passion for entertainment with all of our other fans. Just search Rave It Up Community on Facebook and we look forward to getting to know Let's talk about something a little bit more cheerful now. Great part of your life. It's been a part of your life since 2017 is SWAT. It is one yeah. of my favorite, favorite shows of all time, by the way. So thank you for giving us something like so amazing. <laughs> I've like re rewatched it from the start again. And then, oh, you just pick up on things you just didn't really notice last time. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> I really want to know, oh. how was the audition process for you like? Did you resonate with your character, Luca, like immediately? And I guess what drew you to the show? Um, what drew me to the show is Sean Ryan. And I, I'd done The Shield with Sean Ryan back 2001 through 2006. Mm. And, uh, he, you know, that show won so many awards and basically put FX on the map, you know, here in the States. And, uh and it was just like such a brilliant written TV series. And so I'd always wanted to work with Sean, but every time he was doing a show, I had been doing a show. Like I did something with Holly Hunter when he started another show, I couldn't do it. Then I think I did Sons of Anarchy when he was another, so I couldn't do it. Then I think I was doing Bates Motel when he uh, had another project that he was, you know, there was something in it for me. So it never connected, but I kept thinking, I want to come back full circle with Sean again. So Justin Lin also was directing, who had done like five Fast and the Furious movies. And um, and I was with Paul Walker's manager, who uh, again, a premonition said I'm supposed to go with his manager. And unfortunately that happened right after Paul had passed. And, um, you know, but, but when I went there and the whole Justin Lin and Sean connection, and I'm like, I, I, you know, I had written a script that, you know, somebody had asked me to write and I had sold one already to um, Fox Studios and they wanted me to write another. So I did. And so it was up to either a show that I would written or this thing that came down that was SWAT. And the show I wrote was about these undercover ops that in mine was a little bit more out there like uh, Twin Peaks-ish, you know, but like, you know, very surreal and di different but you know my mind likes to work that way and but it, it was so similar five people in all black that are above the law enforcement that come in and do these special missions but then then again it, it became you know a, a whole nother worldly thing of other kind of beings and entities that could be aliens you don't know yet but it was a trippy factor to mind so i had just written it and i sent it to sean to look at and he goes well I can't do it right now because I'm shooting this show or I'm doing this script called SWAT. And I'm like, oh, okay. He goes, but as soon as, you know, like I have time, I'll look at it. And then um, I think my manager said something like, man, you'd be perfect for that show. So I just wrote down SWAT, SWAT, Kenny Johnson, SWAT back to him. Just those words. That's it. And he wrote to me, I know I got you. And that's all that we said about it. And and then he told me that I was coming in and my manager said, no, you're going to come in and read for Sean and for Justin Lin. Um, and for this part, they said of uh, Deacon, right? So oh. when I met Luca to me resonated because he was, a, you know, it just seemed to be my energy, my language. And I thought, oh, Luca's perfect. But when they called me for Deacon, I thought, huh, 
this is weird because Sean says, no, this is you. Just be yourself. You're perfect for it. So when I came in the first time, I read for Deacon. And I remember coming in there and Sean turned bright red. Like, I thought I was embarrassing him, but I didn't realize that they had called me in for the wrong role. So I kept reading and reading and I was frustrated. And those guys were like trying to go to lunch. It was around two o'clock. And I'm like, look, I'm not effing moving here until I get to see him right. Because this is pissing me off, man. And they're just sort of, I remember Justin laughing at me. And then, you know, and I was trying to get Deacon's energy down and it just wasn't really happening. So I finally got through the scene. You know, I mean, I had done the scene a bunch of times, but I thought I did the best I could. And then finally I started leaving. I turned around and I said, whoever effing gets Luca, I get, I'll go, you, you let me come in. I want to kick his ass in arm wrestling because this, this is bullshit. And then I just walked <laughs> and I thought, you know, that's it. And then I just remember my phone fell in the water. So it broke. So I got a new phone and then I think it was 10 o'clock at night. The new phone got turned on and all these messages from Sean and from casting. I thought, oh, what's this? And so it says, call as soon as possible. Call, call, call. So I call Sean and he says, listen, they messed up today. You were supposed to read for Luca and they go, they called you in for the wrong role. I don't know how casting got it wrong, but I want you to come back in if you would be so kind. I didn't mean to F up or they screwed up, but if you'd be so nice, we'd love for you to read Luca and we're going to send you over the sides right now. So I said, okay. So I had like five days with that and I came in and, and it was, it was a lot, there was a lot there, but I worked with Justin on that and uh, you know, a bunch of times and then Sony had to clear me in CBS. And so I think Lena Esco and myself were like the first two that were actually cast for the show. Um, you know, and then Shamar after that, they were trying to figure out who they wanted as the lead. And I remember Sean asked me about Shamar, who I had met when I was just started out acting. And we had this very connecting bond. Like it felt like we were brothers or something like we knew the same friends. You know, we were at I remember Paramount Studios and we're staring at each other talking all night. It was right before we started acting, but we were talking about it and kind of like dreaming again. And I thought, this is so surreal. And I kept looking over at him thinking like, he reminds me so much of me. Like right now, this is like when it all began. And then all these years later, you know, we get cast in the same show together. That's amazing. So, meant to be. Absolutely meant to yeah. be. And it's so great to hear that you and Lena were the first to be cast because I think you guys, are, as you said, Luca's just perfect for you and Lena is just perfect for Alonzo. So amazing. amazing. <laughs> I do see on Instagram too, there's so much training involved for this show, which doesn't surprise me at all because you guys look just so realistic on screen. You're always like, even, you know, whenever you have teamwork, you know, you're just so in sync. So it doesn't surprise yeah. me, but were you immediately good at the training or was that like a really hard part of the job for you? Um, I mean, I grew up with, you know, like guns in Vermont. So, uh, I, I knew how to shoot pretty and well. The and shield, then I, I'm guessing. Yeah. The shield and, and, and saving grace. I was cops on those and we had the same tech advisor there that I would go out and gun shoot um with him at the range and um and then um yeah and so I played you know different kind of well in Pensacola Wings of Gold I was an F-18 fighter pilot so everything to do with covering you know the military I was kind of really pretty good at so the physical part of it I was training with Justin Lin who is, I mean, not Justin Lin, uh, Justin Fortune, who's Manny Pacquiao's strength and conditioning coach. So whatever he put his champions through, he would put me through the same workouts. 
So physically, I, w- I was ready. And, um, and, and with the training, it, you know, I, I was comfortable. But we had a guy because SWAT's different than these other, you know, like um, these other roles. So we had a guy that was SWAT uh, for like, I don't know how many years, like 17, 18, 19 years down in San Diego. And he became our tech advisor, Odie. And he was like a drill sergeant. And we had a guy that was also, um, you know, military special ops, um, you know, that taught us at the beginning too. So we had two guys grilling us about everything and screaming at it in repetition over and over and over and screaming with anything. You hold your gun wrong, you you accidentally lift it up or you cross somebody. He would get everybody on everything. And he just, you know, wanted, it's like slow is smooth to him. And it's like move in sync like a snake. And the more- (laughs) <laughs> yes, liquid. Well, flow like water. I mean, you just once that happens, it becomes so kind of beautiful to do. But then when you see it on TV, it becomes like I've seen the real SWAT guys, and we're, we're lucky because we don't really have people shooting back at us that are going to kill us. They yeah. do. So when you see them a little jumpy and not as smooth, it's because that's the real deal for them. For us, we get to do it and you know look good because we have somebody screaming at us all the time and mm-hmm. i'm telling you the Odie, Odie, Odie is our the show our tech advisor is it and he will pull us in and chew us out in the third season because he thinks we're getting sloppy and we're not doing this right and he will literally make us all you know during our lunch hour during breaks go through stuff over and over again because that's his job so the more he does that the more we realize we want to make the real SWAT proud and we want to do the best we can, you know, which you do. We- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clapping for you. <laughs> yeah. And it must've been really emotional when your daughter got to be on the show and she played the yeah. little girl that you helped with dyslexia. Does your daughter actually have dyslexia in real life as well? Um, I'm probably not li- at liberty to say, but she's, she's, she's a good reader. She's an amazing, she, I mean, she started acting when she was five all by her choice and all I do is support it. So she's done like 21 musicals and um, she's been in three films and, you know, reoccurring on this. So she does well, she does not have the problem I have. Yeah. I mean, literally she'll something for 20 minutes. Like it could be 11 pages of dialogue with one page of monologue and she'll almost have it word on. But when it must have been like it. so emotional for you to have, you know, you, you've had dyslexia for pretty much all your life to actually have that showcased on the show. You know, one of the many amazing topics that, you know, the show has been able to actually, you know, showcase, I'm going to call <laughs> call it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sean, I mean, Sean knew my story, so he actually wanted to tell it. And then he, you know, he's the one who brought up Angelica. He goes, I would love Angelica to play the role. He goes, but I can't make Decision, but I would love her to audition and originally they didn't want anyone under 12 and she was eight at the time so we yeah I get emotional nice we worked together and we you know I knew my character well I knew what he was looking for and I know enough about dyslexia to talk about it with her to get us where we needed to go so we went in for uh you know to tape her and I asked the uh casting director if I could read with her because I knew we had an energy and I was going to be playing opposite her anyways so she let me do it and then once we did it you know she like casting director took over and go okay well let me do it now because you know you did your thing and and then she goes oh Kelly I'm going to give you notes so then she tried to change all these things that I knew were wrong and Angelica did what she said and as soon as she did she goes you know what 
forget what I said and just go back to do what you're doing before with your dad. She goes, cause that seems to be right. So, you know, we didn't hear anything for, uh, first the age thing was an issue. And then, um, I didn't hear anything until the night before filming. And so I figured by that time they would have made their decision long ago. And Sean says, this is not up to me. Sony has to see it on their own. CBS has to see it. And because it's reoccurring, they've got to choose who they want. And he goes, so we'll see. And so I literally thought it was done in 10 minutes. I mean, 10 o'clock at night before the beginning of the episode, I got a call saying, they they you know they cast your daughter as as Kelly and I just started jumping up Thank and I goodness. ran woke her up and I'm like Jelly, Jelly so you know it's been beautiful because they get to address you know that on the show and and you know it 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 resonated and it's weird how when they uh, test it and test to see how people like subject matters every time they deal with children and like even the dyslexia dyslexia storyline it rated super high up there um, because people identify with it you know we do the cop stuff all day long cool but when you hit something human I think uh, it resonates a little more you know. Yeah, definitely. I love all the topics that they bring up because it is stuff that's going on like right now, like COVID, like the Black Lives Matter, even bisexuality with Chris's storyline or the the thruple, you know, like there's that stuff going on in the world. So it's great to actually have a TV show that showcases it in a positive way as well. Now, I do want to talk about some of your cast members. I have some fun questions here, uh, you know, about you all that I think we'd all love to know. Out of all of you, who screws up their lines the most? Um, probably Lena and my yeah, Lena, have- Lena and myself. I think you know, uh, you hear like on the bloopers, you because I get so frustrated, you know, and, and it jumbles around in my head. So I'll just be like f bomb, f bomb, oh, oh, and they're just like. I mean, I try to get, I'm like, oh, you know, it's the same thing. And then Lena will just say something backwards, just say it wrong, say it wrong, say it wrong. And then goes, oh, f-, you know, just say it wrong, say it wrong. And it's just kind of funny because then we get in these like laughing fits and we can't look at each other because once we mess up and then That's we make it. eye contact, you know, when you laugh and you can't stop laughing and then the director is pissed and everyone's mad because we just can't film because every time we look at each other, we burst out laughing. So yeah, that that probably her and I the most. So you guys are also yeah. the first to laugh as well, to first first to crack up. Yeah, look at each other. Yeah, it's just bad. It's like yeah, <laughs> like f you, Katie. I'm like, don't freaking look at me. So we're looking down while like you know your 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 cheeks are trembling and you're trying not to laugh, and the other person she's in, they gotta look away, and I'm like, oh, this is so painful right now. But, yeah. And who do you think is the perfectionist of the group? Um, Shamar's the perfectionist and Hicks is the perfectionist. Are they also the most serious as well on set when it comes yes. to work? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, playful outside of it. Well, yeah, Shamar is definitely a lot, way playful when he's outside of it. But then when he, he acts, he, he puts on his acting face and becomes like, you know, more tunnel vision and, and yeah, like serious. So yeah. He and Hicks the most. I mean, when I try to mess with Hicks, uh, he gets a little perturbed or angry with me. And then, you know, we get into it. We've known each other for a bunch of years. So I was thinking, like, what, is this going to turn into a fist fight, you know? <laughs> like back in the day when we, way back when we played ball against each other, because he's very physical and very athletic. And even though he's older now, back in the day, he was somebody you don't mess with. 
and we got into it a lot and and you know but we had worked on different shows over the years and grew respect for each other so he and i and then shamar every time i try to get shamar a little loosened up on my kind of like flow with it kind of you know vibe he just says quit you're effing me up kenny i got i gotta remember i'm i'm hondo i'm hondo and i'm thinking like <laughs> go with it and it doesn't matter like i kind of try to do it on purpose so you know you see you know yeah different sides of everything but then sometimes it'll be like you're, you're effing me up kenny he goes i need to i need to get serious man you throw you throw me up because you know and i'm thinking i was doing it for on purpose you know so who's the goofiest? It sounds like it's you. <laughs> um, yeah, well, definitely. I think uh, Hondo, I mean, Shamar thinks I'm the most out there. Like, I, you know, because he doesn't get where I come from sometimes. So <laughs> he's a little weird. Um, but um, goofiest, I would say also the funniest is Alex. Oh. He's so freaking. <laughs> he is brilliant with his singing and his voices and his, uh, he can play anybody and do any voice of anything anywhere and know everything word for word and just cracks me up all day. I mean, he's, he's another, yeah, he's great. He's brilliant. He's a brilliant actor that doesn't need a long time to look at his stuff without him getting into a completely natural rhythm with what he does. He's really, really great. Oh, when he, when he eventually comes on our show, I'll have to uh, get him to do some cool voices. <laughs> uh, he will. Uh, he's funny. And my last question, who do you think could easily be a real SWAT officer? Easily be a real SWAT officer. I would say Honda or myself. I was going to say, you can say yourself. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, Honda or myself. You know, de yeah, definitely. That's really cool. <laughs> And congratulations are in order and really exciting news. It has been confirmed that we will be getting a season five. Woohoo! Yeah. Premiere on the 1st of October for everyone watching, yep. which I'm yep. guessing, yep. are you filming that right now? Yeah, we, uh, yeah, they're going, yeah, they're combining, uh, yeah, I can't say anything about it, but yes, filming right now. Your, how long are your filming days? Are they really long? They're going to be, I mean, last year was like 12 hour days. This year, it Ooh. seems like just cram more into less time because oh, they had to do budget, yeah budget cuts and uh you know the whole covid testing throughout this season so they've had to make adjustments so we're going to be going a little faster and the scripts are coming out a little later than normal this year because of this whole change of things so mm. yeah covid's so. definitely changing everything isn't it <laughs> yeah how is it down there the, uh we're back in lockdown unfortunately so i'm stuck at home <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but at least i could do these chats over zoom which is keeping me nice and busy which is great because i love perfect. i love keeping busy i i don't like being bored <laughs> yeah no. and are you allowed to share like how many episodes we might expect because you know us fans we love more the better just ah. more and more and more <laughs> same with us we we have 18 scheduled oh, possibly we could do 22 if they decide to order more but Right now it's 18. Yeah, I know a lot of shows just keep getting shorter and shorter with their seasons. Like a lot of shows are just doing like 10 now or something. So yeah. 18, we're very happy about that. <laughs> yeah, so are we for sure. Yes, congratulations. We're so pumped and I'm sure you are as well just to get back into working, back into acting and giving us yeah. some great content. <laughs> right on. I'm so glad you like it. Oh, so I love glad. it. 
absolutely love it. As I said, one of my all-time favorite shows. I'll just uh, I'm getting my boyfriend into it now too. I'm like, you have to watch this show. It's freaking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like really well written. It's action packed. Good looking guys. Yeah. Good looking girls. Like, what else can you ask for, right? <laughs> awesome. Now, I think That's it's so time to play a game. What do you think, Kenny? I'll play. I, yes? I probably, yeah, yeah, I'll play. Sure, I'll play, yeah. <laughs> and then we will finish up. But we have a legendary game here on Rape It Up called the Two Minute Hot Seat. So it only takes two minutes. And uh, what I do is I ask you various questions and you just have to pick your preference. So it's like dogs okay. or cats, singing or dancing. And you have okay. to answer as many questions in two minutes as possible. And then we'll see where you sit on the leaderboard up against everyone else that's played the game on okay. the show. <laughs> yeah. So you're the first uh, SWAT actor on the show. But, okay. uh, you know, I'm working on some of the others. Um, I have the guy that plays Mumford coming on very soon. He's agreed. Um, he so maybe, yeah, you can set the bar nice and high for them. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> He's smart. I get a lot more. <laughs> All right, let me, let me get my stopwatch. And because we're over Zoom, I'll give you like an extra 15 seconds just to okay. be. Oh, he's, he's, he's boxing. He's ready to go. Yeah. Get that energy up. <laughs> well, you've kept it up the whole time. I'm very impressed. All right. <laughs> Are you ready, Kenny? Ready, ready. Okay. Three, two, one. Facebook or Instagram? Uh, Instagram. iPhone or Samsung? iPhone. Apple or Android? Apple. Rap or rock music? Uh, rock. Rock or pop? Pop. Pop or country? Pop. Beach or mountains? Beach. Beach or pool? Beach. Sun or rain? Rain. Skiing or snowboarding? Uh, skiing. Comedy or action? Comedy. Blondes or brunettes? Uh, brunette. Sweet or salty? Uh, sweet. Sunglasses or hat? Hat. SUV or convertible? SUV. Mac or PC? Mac. PlayStation or Wii? Uh, PlayStation. Clean or messy? Uh, messy. Singing or dancing? Uh, dancing. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Italian or Chinese food? Uh, Chinese. Summer or winter? Summer. Kim Kardashian Summer. or Scarlett Johansson? Uh, Scarlett Johansson. John and Depp or Will Smith? Uh, John, Johnny Depp. Mall or online shopping? Well, online shopping. Cinema or home movie? Uh, cinema. Ice cream or gelato? Ice cream. Cake or cookies? Cake. Cookies or cookie dough? Uh, cookie dough. Family or friends? Um, uh, friends. Christmas or your birthday? Uh, Christmas. Night or day? Uh, night. Bus or train? Uh, train. Straight or curly hair? Uh, straight. Eye color blue or brown? Uh, blue. Vampire or werewolf? Vampire. Texting or calling? Uh, texting. Los Angeles or New York? Uh, LA. Friday or Saturday? Saturday. TV or movies? TV. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Snow or surf? Snow. Harry Potter or Twilight? Uh, Harry Potter. Family Guy oh, or The Simpsons? <laughs> uh, family Guy. McDonald's or Burger King? McDonald's. French fries or chips? French fries. And we're out of time. Wow, that was a lot. <laughs> and I'm guessing um, you meant 
uh, when was it Harry Potter or Twilight? I think I asked, and you were like, "Oh no." Uh, both, but I see. I've probably seen Harry Potter a lot more than Twilight, so I'll stick with that. So that's good. And yeah. Christmas, rather than your birthday, I, I did see as well. You just had a birthday. Happy birthday on the thirteenth. <laughs> happy for everybody. So it's like you can't beat that. I know. I love Christmas, which is an amazing <laughs> time of year. How many questions do you think you answered in that time? Um, thirty. Ooh, close. You've answered what? 46 questions. Ah, yes. that was my 46, my lucky number. Lucky number? That's, <laughs> it's my lucky number. It was my uh, number of, that I played in football in high school and college, yeah. Oh, meant so, to be. And you're yeah. sitting 41 on the Rave It Up leaderboard at the moment. We'll just have to have you on again, hopefully maybe in the future, come to Australia and we'll do it in person. We'll smash through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to talk faster. I couldn't, so you, you cut out in a couple of them. I'm like, I didn't hear what you said, but. Yeah, you cut out a couple of times too. <laughs> Internet. Or, <laughs> 41's not that good. Oh my God, shoot. Got to get better. <laughs> it is harder when it's over over what? Zoom, but you know, we tried our best. <laughs> it's still a lot of fun though, isn't it? That's Great good. way for people to get to know you. That was fun. That was <laughs> well, awesome. We are unfortunately, you're, you're welcome. Unfortunately, we're getting to the end of the interview though. But as a yeah. closing statement, and was probably the most important question, knowing What's what that? you know now, what would you tell your 14-year-old self? Oh, my God. <laughs> my 14-year-old self. Um, just hang in there because, um, you know, life, life will change. Uh, so just know that, you know, without a lot of, without a lot of uh, what do you call it? Um, to say without a lot of things to push against you and probably hardships in life you're never going to know the good things in life so you know negatives are always not a negative that you can learn and grow from everything so just hang in there don't be so hard on yourself because i know being a 14 year old is such a vulnerable age where everything you know changes with hormones and insecurities and things like that and just know that you'll get through it and when you do, you'll become just such a more beautiful human being. So just, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. I mean, because I know it's hard, you know, to tell any 14 year old that because they're in it and they're living it and feeling it. So you, you can't make, but if you, you, you hope to set an example, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I always try to be an example. You know, if you walk the walk, then people will see that and hopefully they'll be like, maybe I can maybe I can try to be like that, but you know, and they never know what you've actually gone through in life. And so I just hope people hang in there because I know a lot of people struggle and they have nobody to talk to and no help. And, and all they have is their head that goes a million times a minute with these negativities. And it's really hard, you know, I mean, it's hard for any child or anybody at that kind of age. Yeah. Hopefully this interview will help. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great answer, though. You know, we we we've, uh, have a book with all those answers in it now, and hopefully when we do another one, you could be a part of it. That was an amazing answer, so thank you. Yeah. Oh, it's You're got me thinking now, hasn't it? <laughs> no, I there were more questions, so I was ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Kenny, and giving us so much of your time. Like, I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And come on the show anytime, all right? Just consider it your second okay. home. We can chat about anything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
And if you ever come back to Australia, please let me know. I would love to meet you in person. Okay, that'd be beautiful. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do another we'll chat. Won't be, okay. won't need to be as long next time, you know, but, you know, I love my, my long interviews as well. <laughs> That's cool. Thank you, Lauren. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. If you want to be the first to get every new episode, remember to subscribe to this podcast for free. Just search for Rave It Up on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and share it with your friends and tell us what you loved the most and even let us know what you want to hear on this podcast. You can even check out the videos of our interviews on our YouTube channel, Rave It Up TV. And for more, visit our website, raveituptv.com. Now, before I leave you today, I just want you to remember that you are loved and you are beautiful. Bye.